Right, Mark, uh, I've decided I'm going to give you a break from the jokes this week. Really? Yeah, no joke this week. I'm going to hit you with a movie fact. Right. Okay, so today we're going to be reviewing Scream 4, which is the best number four in any slasher franchise. You do realise I'm not contractually obliged to be here. <laughs> Get a little bit of gasoline. I'm going to make it burn. I'm going to make it burn. Let's go. You are now listening to the You Run Podcast, the only horror movie review podcast completely run and controlled, not by me and Mark, your hosts, but by you, our listeners. Hey, Scoob, we're on the radio, bro. You want to die tonight? Zoinks. <laughs> you choose the movies. You score them. You review them. You do it all. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. It's not perfect. It has its problems. The You Run Podcast. It was just weird. I don't know. I guess like a weird thought. The You Run Podcast. Bitch, you better not forget about me. Don't you ever forget about me. Hey, this is Naomi Grossman, best known as Copper from American Horror Story. Hi, it's Imitation Dave. You son of a bitch. Just make sure you fucking listen. This was fucking incredible. He's the one you need to blame. Get a little bit of gasoline. Right now, my opening comments of the show have suitably fired Mark up. Welcome to the You Run podcast. My name is Scott. My name is Mark. Mark is still speaking. He's not gone on strike. Um, <laughs> each, <yet>. week, <laughs> uh, each week, we take you through the movies you have chosen to review. Now, before we get into today's movie, I want to correct a mistake I made. So I said on a previous episode that you can catch me and Elise on YouTube on the 15th of each month. That was a lie. Um, YouTube episodes are the first of each month. Uh, True Crime is the 15th of each month. And this show is every single Tuesday. Um, if you're crap with dates like me, there's a really easy way around this. Go to those channels that you like, hit subscribe, and you get a notification when a new episode is released and you don't have to rely on me giving you the wrong information. So that's what you need to do. So go and do that. And while you're there on Spotify and um, Apple Podcasts, if you want to give us a five, five-star five review while you're hitting subscribe, it's right next to it. So th- that'd be great. Um, anyway, Mark, who are we following this week? Check it, check it out. It's that time of the week. It's time for Mark to recommend an account. So this week's recommended account is VHS247 Poster. Now, this is an account that I've only just recently started following myself, but I found their contact to be rather impressive, so I thought I'd share it with you guys today. Um, it's run by a guy called Tom. Uh, I'm sorry if I got that wrong. I'm just under the impression that this guy's called Tom. Um, and he makes. Have you, have, you, have you just guessed his name's Tom? I think this guy's. No, well, it, Tom. Say, it says <laughs> in his bio that he's called Tom, but I, can you trust people's bios on the internet these days? Uh, I, I guess it not, but let, let's go with it. Okay, he's Tom, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, as far as I'm aware, he's Tom. So, so Tom has an account where he makes posters. Now, they're not the standard sort of horror posters that you'd usually come across. These are sort of like newspaper articles that you would find on the front of the newspaper, obviously, but the horror-based and film-related. So he does one such as a Halloween one, um, which is like the Haddonfield Post. He does a Child's Play one, and it has obviously like the Chucky doll, and it says, 
the headline is something like my doll is talking to me and then it also in the bottom corner of the page it then has the article explaining of the charles relay uh, charles lee ray killings and stuff i mean they're really really cool stuff i could talk about them for a long long time he does various various films so just go and check them out he has an etsy store where you can purchase all these for your own home so yeah it's bhs 247 poster all one word no undercases no hashes or letters check him out and show him some, some love Okay, that sounds good. And stupidly, I actually followed him the other day by complete chance. Now you've described what his account does. I followed him anyway. It's really, really cool, isn't it? Yeah, really cool. It's quite unique what he does. I I haven't seen anything like this before. I mean, I even saw one that was like a Home Alone one and it had like the the crime photos of the two burglars and all the rest of it. I I think it's really, really clever. I wonder if he'd do like mishmash ones where he could do one with like Kevin from Home Alone and tie in that he's actually Jigsaw. I'm sure if you message him and ask him, he'd be obliged. I uh, messaged him a couple of times back and forth. He's, he's a cool guy, so I'm sure he'd take the time to do it for you if you asked. Yeah, I, I think that's the way forward because I want I want that news article that is revealed <laughs> that that Jigsaw was Kevin McAllister because I can buy that all day long. Perfect. Um, anyway, another great account to follow uh, is Voices from the Mausoleum. Um, now, Voices from the Mausoleum is a YouTuber, a podcaster. Uh, a movie critic, uh, and someone I literally agree with absolutely nothing on, apart from about five movies. Um, and that is our guest today, and it's Angel from Voice of the Mausoleum. Welcome to the You Run podcast. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. We've worked together a couple of times now, um, but this is your first time working with Mark, and mm-hmm. I'm not convinced you and Mark are going to see eye to eye on anything either. Probably not, not yeah. given what I've heard. No. <laughs> um, so I, I think we'll start off with the, the, the first question I want to ask you. Is, do you like Halloween 4? Um, it's, it's not my favorite. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel as strongly as you do. I'm probably somewhere in between the two of you. I think, I mean, I, I, like, I liked it enough. It's definitely not like top three for the franchise, but I liked it enough. What, what no. is your top three for the franchise, just out of curiosity? Um, I think I like them in order. I like one, two, and three. Um, I like Season of the Witch a lot. That was one of my favorites. I wish they had done more with the anthology side of Halloween. That would have been fun to explore instead of just taking it the, the route that they did. You mean so you were the- disappointed for Michael to come back then? <laughs> sort of. I like the new ones, uh, the newer ones. I didn't really like the Rob Zombie ones, but I liked, um, I mean, I like the new ones. I like. I even liked Halloween Kills. I thought it was a fun movie. This is fantastic. Uh, uh, the listeners, just so you can see, but Mark is now looking decidedly upset because he knows he's like, it's two on one on this episode. Um, I'm just deciding whether or not I want to stay for the rest of the episode, that's all. <laughs> um, I, can you tell us a little bit about your account? Because obviously I know because I, I follow you and I, I watch your stuff and I've been on your show. And But yeah. tell the listeners a little bit about what you do because your account is fucking awesome. Ah, oh, thanks. It's a... Uh... It's a hodgepodge of anything kind of horror related. I've done stuff from horror movie reviews, influential horror with um, people who do things like we do, um, horror authors in the indie community. Um, I've got some plans coming up to do some stuff with some horror filmmakers that have some stuff on Shutter that have done like horror shorts that have won in festivals. Um, I've done some special effects stuff, which is still pretty new app, but I'm getting there. Um, I've done, yeah, I kind of just do a lot of stuff. I'm trying to, and then this year I'm trying to really branch out focusing on like artists and different music techniques and just different things that all kind of encompass a love for the genre as a whole and not just the movie side of things. So it's kind of everything. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. that's impressive. I think it would probably be easier for you to tell us what you don't do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been crazy, yeah. Whereas I stick to one thing because I simply cannot handle juggling that many things. I, I look at, like, the stuff that you post and then, like, the stuff you do on your YouTube, and I'm like, how the fuck have you got a full-time job and you still juggle all this? I just don't get it. It's imp- so impressive. Yeah, thank you. I, I don't know how I do it either. I get asked <laughs> that. I don't know. It just happens magically. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's magic. Just how Michael Myers moves around in Halloween 4. Right, okay, okay, come on, right? Can we cut this out now? That's not why we're here tonight. Well, it, it kind of the kind of I'm going hard on it because we've actually had some calls into the show about Halloween format, which we're going to play later on. So you could, you may get your wish. Your yes, wish, the team, it, the team are rallying round. They may be. It may be inbound. Um, but today we're not talking about Halloween four. Thank God. Uh, we're talking about Scream four. Um, this movie comes under a huge amount of fire from screen fans and non-screen fans, slasher fans in, in general. Uh, my goal today is to point out why I think Screen 4 is not only infinitely better than Screen 5, um, but is the best instalment of the franchise since the original. Um, I no doubt will also be coming under fire from Mark and, and Angel for my controversial views and opinions on this movie. Um, but Whatever side of the screen for Uber Meta fence you sit on, I guarantee today we've got it covered. What's your favorite scary movie? Here is my Winsboro Massacre anniversary question. What is your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? One generation's tragedy is the next one's a joke. What is your favorite scary movie, man? I'll show you. This week marks the anniversary of the infamous Woodsboro murders. Local celebrity victim, Sydney Prescott, chose to return to her hometown. Welcome home, Sydney. Watch the preview of coming events. What do you want? Who is this? He's trying to do ghost face. I'm standing. patterning his murders after the original movie. It's time for someone new to die. The unexpected is the new cliche, and virgins can die now. Does that mean that I'm not gonna live as long as these two? Clearly. To be the new version, the killer should be filming the murders. Dale! Dale behind you! Go ahead if you have the guts. Not to implicate him. He can't kill Sydney. she's victim royalty. Not true, Sid's expendable. Point taken. Guaranteed third act main cast bloodbath. Fingers crossed on some nudity for a change. Time for your last question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking... Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Heights, Amityville Horror, Black Christmas, House of Wax, Pop Night, Black Bloody Valentine. It's one of those, right? None of the above. I'll be right back. I know this one. You're not supposed to say that, are you? <laughs> Ah! 
You should have seen the look on your face. Okay, so that was the trailer for Screen 4. Um, this movie opens with the most meta set piece in the entirety of horror. Um, and I love this opening. It is the best opening to a screen movie. So you get the first sequence where you've got uh, Lucy Hale and uh, Sinead Grimes. Um, Lucy Hale was, uh, you might know from Pretty Little Liars or Fantasy Island. Uh, and Sinead Grimes was in the remake of Beverly Hills 90210. Um, they're stalked and killed by Ghostface. Um, it, it's the typical opening that you expect from like, screen one, two and three. It kind of follows that same path. And you, in, you instantly absorb this is a screen movie. And then when you get the kill, it pans back from the screen and it's two other characters watching Stab Six. You then get their sequence, which is Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. Uh, so Anna Paquin is True Blood. Uh, she played Suki uh, and X-Men. Uh, and Kristen Bell, uh, I know her from Heroes, but I know she's been in loads of other stuff too um and they're talking about screen or sorry talking about the stab movie they've just watched um and you get one of the best single one line kind of monologues about basically saying how shit scream is these meta self-aware bullshit movies that they're just crap we're watching the death of horror right in front of us um to which christian bell stabs her and she dies. She's like, you didn't see that coming, did you? And then it pans out again and it's screen seven, uh, stab seven. At this point, my mind just went bang. I was like, this is fucking awesome. No, I was, I just thought this was fucking stupid. I'm really sorry. I know you really like it, but I just thought it was bollocks. Not to the <laughs> point where I was just like, this is like a scary movie spoof type thing. And it just became really irritating really quickly. I found the first two. Um, characters, I can't remember the name of who they were or what they were doing, but they were very cheesy their acting was terrible and I thought when the first time I was watching I was like wow if this is the opening this is this is easily the worst so far and then you got the stab, fair enough that was cool and then we went into the second one, yeah it was alright I quite liked it and then we got it again and I was like oh my god this is so annoying like this is so annoying, like this film is an hour and 45 minutes yeah, take this stupid 15 minutes away from the beginning and you've got a tight hour and 30 minute film. I just, I didn't like it at all. I mean, I thought it was funny. I think one of the things I like about the Scream franchise is its ability to make fun of itself without kind of being disrespectful to like the slasher genre, subgenre, I guess. I thought it was funny. I laughed. I think the first, I think every time I've seen it, honestly, it's made me laugh. I rewatched it. The last time I rewatched it was before I went to C5 in theaters. And um, yeah, I, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was a fun way to start it, kind of like a silly over the top way to kind of jump back into a franchise that we're now four movies into. That was yeah, and I think this, I think they made a point of doing it this way because there was such a big gap between screen three and screen four. Yeah. These movies are 10 years apart. So I think what they didn't want to do is come back with the, the same set piece that they've done three times already. That same mm. opening that we get in screen one, two and three. So I, I liked it. I understand what you're saying, Mark, that it was it was massively over the top. This is Wes Craven yeah. being as self-indulgent as he possibly could in an yeah. opening segment. Um, I, just, then, I just felt it went on for too long. It just became very tired very quickly, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I've got in my notes, it's one of the longest openings to a horror movie ever. 
yeah and you get so you get the you get the final kill which is actually characters in screen um where ghostface kills off the the two girls um and we get ghostface doing some nice little callbacks to three so saying that he's the director uh where in screen three obviously roman bridger was the director and also the killer um which i liked and then he he makes some great lines that the they just made me laugh. This is Ghostface just being funny, where he's like, um, you're the dumb blonde with the big boobs. Uh, this is your big part. Don't blow it. And it's like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> uh, and he kills these two people. Uh, and that's the that's the opening. That's when you get the screen logo. And you know then you've gone beyond that very meta opening. See, I really like the third segment because tonally it felt very different from the first two. It felt very serious, much darker, much grittier. Ghostface was very savage as well. And 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 I wish it had just opened with this personally, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, you, you just don't like fun. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fun <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> uh, the, the morning after this, uh, after Ghostface murders of, of Jenny and Marnie, uh, we meet Dewey and Gail, who are now married. Uh, Dewey gets a call about the, the murders uh, and gets out of bed. Uh, and Gail does exactly what Lisa does every day, stays put. Um, Dewey goes and meets um, Deputy Judy, um, who blatantly wants a bit of Dewey dick. as She tries to feed him lemon squares. Uh, <laughs> is this a tactic that women use? Have a lemon square. Take me to bed. You know, I can't speak for every woman, but it's definitely not one I've used. Lemon squares are not on my here. Sleep with me. That's not really what uh, it's. I don't know if I mean, I don't know. Maybe if it works, maybe I've been doing it wrong. But, I, you know, in this case, I don't think it works. So. Yeah, I, I've got to say, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like a lemon square, but it's not going to get me a bed. Mark, is a lemon square going to tempt you to the bedroom? Well, it doesn't really take a lot to tempt me to do anything, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm desperate to try a lemon square, though. I know that. <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, meanwhile, we meet Kirby um, as she picks up Sydney's cousin Jill and Olivia before heading off to school. Um, on the way to school, Jill gets a call from Ghostface and Olivia reveals that she had a call from Ghostface earlier the mor- that morning. Um, and they think it's one of their friends pranking them. When they get there, they're swamped by two nerds, uh, Robbie and Charlie. Um, Charlie's played by Macaulay Culkin's brother, Rory Culkin. Um, who I, th- I thought he was great in this. Um, and, and they start doing the, the really like, what's your favourite scary movie? And that kind of whole ghost face bit from screen one, because it's the anniversary of the event that led to the first Stab movie. I like these two. They were my favourite characters, barring obviously Kirby, because she is a legend. Yeah. But these two second easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it leads me into a question, actually. Um What's your favourite scary movie? Mark, I know what yours is. Everyone knows what yours is. Your favourite scary movie is obviously uh, Scream 4. <laughs> no, but Mark, I know what you're digging into. I don't actually rate Halloween 4 as my favourite scary movie. I no, really but, like it. I, I know you don't. You, you are Halloween. Halloween is your, your favourite. That's, that's the peak for you. Yes. It is, yeah. it is. Uh, Angel, what's yours? So this is super hard for me. I usually have to, like, I have to answer this without really thinking. So if I answer without thinking, without trying to think of a logical reason why, I'm going to say Monster Project, which is a found footage movie about monsters. Yeah. And that's just... I'm going to write that down because that sounds incredible. If it's made your top list, then I need to watch it immediately. 
Yeah. It, it, okay, I but see. you're not allowed to do an episode about it if you need it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tear it apart. And then uh, I think if I had to think of something more rational, I'd probably say poltergeist because it's like my first memory of life, my first introduction to horror ever. So it's probably, you know, the house that's doing this too. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, mine, I think everyone knows mine. Mine's The Shining, um, which we do later this season. So you get to hear me fanboy over that, but that, that's ages away. Um, anyway. We haven't really touched on the fact that Sydney's back in town. Uh, so Sydney's promoting her new books. Um, so she ditched the um, the terrified character that she had in Screen Three, and she's back now to being a a badass. She's she's now like, I've written a book about surviving, and uh, she's promoted this book. Um, Dewey, Dewey and Jill pick her up from the book signing. Um, uh, she's interviewing. Yeah, so she's doing the book signing, and Jill. I'm going mad here. You are uh, going mad. She's yeah. doing a book signing and Gail comes and says hello. Yeah, she does. Um, Gail which... comes comes and says hello. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> you, you take over because I'm obviously having some sort of scene. Here. Yeah. So the book signing, which uh, Sydney is now promoting her new book, Gail makes an appearance. And then from this point on, we get sirens and police cars arriving with Dewey and Judy Hicks. And they come and tell that there has been a new killing and the cell phone signal has been tracked to the book signing, at which point the phone starts ringing, everybody darts outside, and it's Sydney's rental car. Yeah. They open the boot, and Scott, are you back on board? I, I, I'm back on board now, and this is why I now have a co-host, just in case anyone was curious as to why. Uh, yeah, so I'm back on board now, and they, they find evidence in Sydney's trunk that, that she's potentially the new killer. Um there's a quick interview section at the police station where they basically tell Sydney that you, you need to stay in town. You, you can't go anywhere. You're now a, a suspect. Um, and she decides she's going to stay at her cousin's house. She's going to stay at Jill's house because um, that's, that's family. It's, it's somewhere safe. We get a really cool meta scene. I love this where you get um, Jill's boyfriend climbing through the window and it's Trevor and it's yeah. a carbon copy of a flashback from Billy climbing through mm-hmm. Sydney's window and I, I thought this was really cool this was a really subtle callback to the point where even Sydney walks in and looks on both and is like you just kind of remind me of me and she stood there sort of flabbergasted by the whole thing that's playing out as he climbs out the window and yeah. he sees on his way out you look shorter in real life which made me chuckle <laughs> yeah uh, and Dewey does his due diligence as a police officer he puts a, a patrol car outside to, to keep an eye on him they're having a sleepover so you've got Kirby at the sleepover, um, you've got Jill, and then you've got Sydney's in another room. They're having a, a sleepover and they get their first phone call from Ghostface. Uh, and Kirby answers the phone. Um, first of all, she thinks it's Trevor. Um, and then when she realizes she isn't, Kirby is awesome. Kirby is so cool. Ghostface is like, I'm in the closet. And she's like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit, I don't believe you. He's like, but I am. She's like, no, you're not. He's like, she's like, I'm going to look in the closet. And Jill's like, don't look in the closet. She's like, no, no, no I'm going to open it. And, and the only way I could describe Kirby, Kirby, this is how I would imagine you would react, Mark. 100% this is me. <laughs> I would be I would be raking that cupboard out straight away. I, I really, really like this scene. I thought it was really cool the way that 
Ghostface on the phone was extremely quiet and it, it sort of like sounded like him, not quite him. So you didn't know whether it was Trevor or not. And the whole I'm in the closet thing, it, it, it was really, really cool. Even the nod where they sat watching Sean on the dead in the bed. I was like, this is fantastic. Like I was really on board by this point. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of when I fell in love with Kirby. That's when she became like my favorite character for the for that. Well, at least for that movie. I like yeah. that scene a lot. Yes. I like I like all I think the be- the beginning half of it is probably like the strongest part of the movie. So that scene was like that was a good one for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And she basically calls Ghostface out and says, No, you're you're full of it. And you're she goes of, Yeah. Yeah, you're full of shit. And she goes and opens yeah. the, she goes and opens the closet and Ghostface isn't there. She's like, See, I told you. And he's like <laughs> and his response is fantastic. He's like, Who told you I was in your closet? Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And, and then so they cool. they realize <laughs> that he's actually in Olivia's closet who lives yeah. directly opposite. And yeah. they see Ghostface come out and attack Olivia. Um, and this is where Sydney now proves that she has gone from being that meek and mild crap Sydney we got in Screen 3. That was she so goes, disappointing. Yeah, terrible. Um, we won't talk about Screen 3 because we'll all get upset. No. Um, <laughs> so she bursts out of the house and sprints over to attack Ghostface to stop him. She, she's too late. She gets um, slashed by Ghostface and she ends up being taken to the hospital uh, for her injuries. Before we just move on, I just wanted to quickly pull back to the kill scene at this point because I watched this on Netflix. I don't know where you guys watch this, whether any of you have an actual original copy of it or not. But on my scene, I remember briefly that when he kills Olivia, he stabs her up, he throws her out the window, he rolls her onto her back, he guts her, the guts fall out, and then he drags her back in and throws her onto the bed. The Netflix version I watched today didn't have any of that. No. It was all sort of like censored out. So he basically throws her out the window, turns her over, the camera cuts off, and then the next scene cuts and she's laid on the bed. Yeah. Netflix have got an edited version of this out. I didn't know that. I I thought I was losing my mind today when I was watching it. I was like, what the fuck? That is not. I I remember how graphic and brutal this scene was. It was a highlight for me. And I was like, what the fuck's happened here? Where's that gone? Yeah, because I done exactly the same. Um, and I went and found the. I went to YouTube to check that I wasn't going mad. And no, N- Netflix have edited that. There's a couple of other little scenes they've edited down as well. Right. I don't know. I don't it's know okay. why. I just thought I was just going crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a reason behind it, but Netflix edit quite a lot. I've noticed recently. There was another movie I watched on there recently where they cut a scene. I was like, why? Yeah, it's strange. Strange. Might explain why they're losing. Um, why they're losing subscribers by the <laughs> yeah, bucket load. <laughs> Yeah, maybe why the shares yeah. are going down. <laughs> yeah, leave, leave the films as they are. That's how we like them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sydney goes over, she gets cut by um, Ghostface and she ends up in the hospital uh, where we meet her. So we met her publicist earlier briefly, but we meet her in the hospital and her publicist just needs a slap. She's like, this is fantastic. We'll continue the book tour. The sales will go through the roof. And Sydney's like, you are fired. <laughs> you are absolutely fired you money grabbing bitch um and yeah she, she gets what she deserves she gets um instantly killed by ghostface as she goes into the car park and he goes one step further and throws her off the roof into a um a reporter's van up until this point i thought she was going to be the killer obviously not now i've seen this film multiple mm. times but on my first watch they do a very good job of building not just with her in particular, but with everybody that's in the film, they do a very good job of everyone to suspect in this. That's one thing that I think is really strong here is that they do a very subtle way of Judy Hicks is weird, she's crazy, she's got crazy eye, you think, oh God, she's a bit dodgy. And then when they find the stuff in the back of Sydney's boot, it's it's 
Rebecca, the publicist who has the keys to the car. So you're like, oh, maybe she's it. Trevor's very suspicious of Billy Loomacy. And I just think they do a real good job of subtly pointing out that everybody could possibly be the killer. And then when she died, I was like, oh, no, I actually had you pegged for being the one. (laughs) I agree with that because I think that like uh, all the other times I've been able to predict it like pretty early on. I'll do all of them, the first, second, and the third one. And I think I remember feeling the same way the first time I watched it. It's like, I didn't really know who it was going to be or what to expect um, as people started to die off. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I think they've done a, a better job of that in this than they did in Screen 5, because Screen 5, I pegged the killers really early on. Yeah, really I agree early. with that too. We now cut back to Gail. So Gail is... Um, Gail's going full reporter again. She's not a reporter anymore, but she now wants to get to the bottom of the crime she wants to track down the killer and you get a scene where she's in the police station trying to get into the interview room uh, and <laughs> she gets stopped, <laughs> she gets stopped by judy uh, and they have this kind of face-to-face battle and this scene cracks me up because <laughs> Ju- dewey kind of backs up judy because he has to because it's work and Gail's like, so you're not backing your wife? And he's like, no. <laughs> and then as she, as she leaves, she turns around to Judy and goes, by the way, your lemon squares taste like ass. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And Judy's like, they don't. They really don't. They, they don't. Like, they don't. Dewey. She doesn't mean that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, come on, Dewey, man. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I, Dewey needs to learn the lesson. If your wife says someone else's food tastes like ass, you go, yes, it does, dear. <laughs> a happy wife happy life that's the advice from you run podcast um so they, they have that confrontation and then gail convinces sydney to go to the cinema club so she says look look we know that these kids know what's going on and we know that when we when this happened to us before it was the kids in the school who knew it so come to cinema club they'll have some insights and they, they might be able to help us i love cinema club this scene in cinema club is absolutely rammed with references to horror movies there's horror movie posters everywhere uh, and you get the uh, the two guys you get macaulay culkin's brother and the other guy who i've forgotten his name already um i think they're called robbie and charlie robbie and charlie yeah robbie and charlie so that they I don't know who to... is who but that's <laughs> uh, charlie is macaulay culkin's brother i know that there we go right so therefore, the awards called Robbie. Yeah. So we've now identified. <laughs> them. Um, so they very professional you, show, ladies and gentlemen. A hundred percent. They talk you through how the uh, the rules have changed now. So it doesn't matter if if you're a virgin, you can still die. If you're an original character, you can still die. The killer's probably going to escalate things now and and start recording it as well. And then they let slip about Stabathon. Um, so they're hosting a, a movie event where they're going to play all of the stab movies back to back to which Gail goes, well, that's obviously where the killer's going to be. Where is it? And they're like, well, we're not telling you. And they refuse to tell her and she storms off. We now get Stabathon. I want to go to Stabathon. This looks incredible. Yeah. This is a, a big barn with a massive screen, loads of beer and horror movies. I am a hundred percent. Where do I sign? Where's my seat? Would you do a Stabathon if it was a Halloween marathon? As long as we skipped four. <laughs> we could do one, two, three, five, and on from there. Um, so Gail finds out where Stabathon is because Gail is, she's wily like that. They never actually explain how she finds out, but she does. Um, she sneaks in um, and she tries putting her own little webcam 
in there. Um, she comes out and the webcam, she can't see properly. So she goes back in to adjust it uh, where she meets Ga- uh, Ghostface. Um, and the first time I watched this, I thought Gail was dead. I thought this yeah, was Gail done. Um, mm-hmm. So Ghostface attacks her and you get a scene from her perspective as Ghostface brings the knife up and stabs it down. I was like, wow. Yeah. They've killed a main character. It, it literally, first, first watch for this blew me away. Um, At this point here, how the hell is Dewey a police officer, by the way? Because he cannot fire a gun to save his fucking life. Valid. Like, That's the true. guy is there. He shoots five bullets <laughs> and he misses every... Like, he doesn't just miss. <laughs> he doesn't just miss. Like, he literally hits the other side of the room. Like, you can see where the bullet is ricocheting. And it is like... It couldn't be any further away from Ghostface if he tried. Uh, you say that, but Dr. Loomis shot six times. But at least he got it on target. Well, this is true. Um, so Jimmy arrives and saves her and that they take her to the hospital the next scene is where it's 100% confirmed we have multiple killers Um, so Ghostface dispatches two cops outside of Sydney's house um, in a brilliant way as well I I love uh, these two cops and the way they get killed is fantastic there's lots of in gags and very meta and like one cop goes off to investigate and comes back and the other one's like slumped over the steering wheel like he's dead. And he's like, oh, my God. And he pops up. He's like, ah! And, and then he gets stabbed in the side of the head. And this kill is fantastic. Yeah, He doesn't get stabbed in the side of the head. He gets stabbed in the forehead, literally between his eyes. And how? I don't know how, but he gets up and out of the car and walks a good 10 paces and manages <laughs> to say the line, fuck you, Bruce Willis, before he falls over. Like, I've never been stabbed. I've never been stabbed anywhere, but I can imagine being stabbed in the brain with a nine-inch knife would quite easily decapitate you. I don't even know the right words I'm trying to say here, but it would cause a lot of issues. Incapacitate. Thank you very much, Angel. (laughs) That is what I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we also get a simultaneous kill of Jill's mum. So Jill's mum is killed. Yeah, Yeah. it was clever. Yeah, I, I like this. Um, and then they go, Ghostface, who's killed Jill's mum, goes after Sydney. Um, but Sydney manages to escape and she runs to Kirby, towards Kirby's house. This sets up, so over at Kirby's house, you've got Jill, Charlie, Robbie, uh, are all relaxing, they're, they're drinking some beers, they're, they're watching a movie. Uh, and Trevor shows up and insists that he talks to Jill. Um, and then they go upstairs. And all the way through this, they're trying to frame Trevor as the killer. That's the... This is it's the killer that they're they're spoon feeding you. Trevor is Mm -hmm. the killer. Robbie goes for a walk um, and leaves Charlie and Kirby together because they secretly like each other. This is why you don't help friends out in that way, because Robbie gets dead. I like the way that is. Well, earlier on when they're at the uh, cinema club, he's like the only way to survive these days is by being gay. And at which point, just before he got finally stabbed, he's like, I'm gay, I'm gay. If it helps. (laughs) The the thing is, they put in that situation, I I would pretty much try anything. Yeah, and he clearly does. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm gay. I like H4. All these things that would never come out of my mouth, I would literally throw it all at Ghostface to try and save me. I'm just going to quickly move on past this as if that never even happened. (laughs) Yes, okay. We'll pretend that didn't happen. Um, so Robbie gets dead 
Um, Charlie and Kirby are about to kiss and Trevor and Jill come back downstairs and Trevor takes Charlie with him. As this happens, Sydney bursts through the door and basically says that Ghostface has killed Jill's mum. And Ghostface arrives like instantly and they all kind of scatter and go their own way. So Kirby goes to the basement. Uh, Jill hides under a bed because that's the perfect place to hide in a horror movie, as has been proven numerous times. The phone rings. And we get Charlie tied on the porch as Kirby answers the phone. Um, again, a callback to Scream 1, that opening scene. You, you get this again. So Kirby is being interrogated by Ghostface and he's doing the, what's your favourite scary movie? What happened in this movie? And he, he's doing, yes, yeah, he, yeah he, he's, he's basically doing Broken Spirit, but with higher stakes. She, Kirby nails it as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, and while Kirby's got, Ghostface busy. Uh, Sydney goes to find Jill. She thinks she's says Kirby thinks she's won because um, Ghostface basically hangs up after she rattles off about a thousand horror movies one after the other. She thinks she's beaten him. Uh, she goes outside to to retrieve Charlie and and save him. Um, to which Charlie stands up and stabs her, uh, leaving her for dead. Yeah, and at which point we now know Charlie is Ghostface number one. Uh, and we also know that Charlie's not a very proficient killer because it was revealed in Screen 5 that Kirby survived. This is very true. You never mm-hmm. see a die on screen. I mean, before we get to that point, though, we get the we get the brief scene, don't we, where Sydney and Kirby run down to the basement and Charlie's banging at the window. He's like, if yeah. you don't trust him, don't let him in. That was a really cool scene. She's yeah, like, like get away from the window, Charlie. It was cool, that. In that situation, would you let your friend in? They don't seem very close, do they? I don't know the relationship that well or that damn, but what do you think, Angel? They don't seem that close, do they? I think, yeah, well, and I think he, he'd been pining after her for, like, a really long time, and she kind of struck him along, and, and they had, like, a weird, like, dynamic, but I think in that situation, like, when you know you don't really know somebody, I don't know. There's only, I think, a couple of people I might would have let in, but everybody else might would have had to been on their own. Yeah, yeah, I think in a heightened situation like that, you can't really trust anybody. I mean, being it's Kirby, risky. I wouldn't really trust Sydney at that point either, I don't think. Kirby's in the house. She's not by herself. I don't know. Like, it just seems like you're putting other people at risk, too. I would have probably done the same thing. I would have left yeah. Them out yeah. There. If in doubt, keep them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you it's true. Get, it's very true. Um, you get Charlie attacks Sydney almost straight away. Um, and Sydney basically spins around to run away and runs straight into another ghost face and a knife. Ghostface removes the mask, uh, revealing the, the killer to be Jill. We then get the motive build up for this. The motive in this is actually really good. I, I love the motive for this. It's not uh, we're trying to make more stab movies. It's not uh, we're trying to kill off the original cast. It's Jill wants to be Sydney. She wants that notoriety. She wants to be famous. And yeah, I, I can buy this motive all day long. I can as well. I thought it was a really, really cool twist on what we were doing with the story. The only issue I did have was the reveal of the killers to be Jill and to be five foot two Macaulay Culkin's brother. Um, these are both equally quite small people. Everything we've seen from Ghostface at this point is easy, six foot, six foot two. Never. And even to the point where the scene with Sydney first runs into Jill's in the scream suit. This is very clearly someone a lot smaller in the cream suit than we have seen up until this point. And Emma Roberts is taller than Charlie or Robbie. And you see it, you see it in the costume, you see the mask, you see everything, and she just looks smaller in stature. And it's obvious, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she is. And it, it, 
it's, it's one thing filming in in platforms um but it's a it's another thing to then make that when you're not in costume you then lose the platforms and you're then a lot smaller and that's yeah. that's a hard sell for me yeah i didn't buy it i didn't buy the both of them being the killers at this point i like the idea that it was them and i like the story direction that it took in theory but in execution i just don't think it quite followed through as well as it should have done I think like, no, I think that like I've maybe one of very few people that feel this way because I know like the scream world is full of Jill lovers, but her reveal was probably like it uh, to me was actually very underwhelming. I wasn't like, oh my God, it's her relative. Like I actually felt more surprised by being Charlie than I did about it being Jill. And it wasn't yeah. just because of the size difference. I just wasn't like holy, like, I just wasn't blown away. As hard as they tried, I felt like the whole film to make you so unsure who it was going to be, it being her was kind of like a little bit lackluster for me. I don't like, I just wasn't like super pumped about that reveal. I was just kind of like, oh, well, okay. Like yeah. it was just one of the few times in that movie that I just was a little underwhelmed. I don't think they do a very good job of selling you warming to her character throughout, to be honest with you. That anyway. might be She's what it is. I yeah. think she comes across as quite a little bit of a bitch. I might be speaking yeah. out of time, but I think throughout the no. whole thing, they don't really sell her in a good light anywhere. Um, so by yeah. the time she does come around that she's revealed, you're a bit like, meh, whatever. Okay, yeah. Versus if it had been like Kirby, that would have been like, well, fuck. Because yeah. like, you really like her and you get invested in who she is and all these things and her parts. And yeah, I think... I think you're. I think you're right. I think it just has to do with the connection to the character. Kirby's death cut me more than Randy's. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's still second to Randy for me, but it's definitely a close second. It's definitely close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like Kirby. Um, I, I was surprised when we get to it later. Memes to make you mad. Kirby is not as loved as I thought she was, which yeah. really shocked me. Really wow. shocked me. Yeah, I, I was gobsmacked, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there and then you, you could all agree with me that people who comment on memes to make you mad need help. Um, <laughs> so we get the motive reveal um, and we get the, again, almost a carbon copy of that opening scene where you've got uh, Billy and Stu in the first one. You get this with Charlie and Jill, uh, where Charlie's yeah. going to take one for the team um, and Jill stabs him and kills him. She then retrieves Trevor, who's going to be the he's the killer she's framed him as the killer and then jill proceeds to kick the life out of herself before she does that she shoots trevor in the dick yes she does <laughs> I, I i glossed over that because it, it don't forget that part <laughs> it makes me it makes me go funny i don't like it <laughs> it makes me go funny every time i've seen this film at least six times now and that scene doesn't get any easier every time i watch it no, it's, it's yeah, it's it's really not a nice scene. And even now I could just, like, my whole body's just gone, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll gloss over that because I've got, I've got funny feelings that I don't like. <laughs> um, but Jill beats herself up and this is almost like something out of Fight Club. She, she punches herself, she throws herself through a glass table, smashes her head off of a, a picture on the wall. And it's brilliant. You don't see that very often in a movie to that extent. And it's quite strategically done as well, the way that she gets Trevor's hand and scratches her own face and then she grabs her hand of Trevor and pulls out sections of her hair. And, mm. and the, way, the thing that I liked the most about this was the way that she stabs herself. Like, I'm, I'm not sadistic or weird in any way, but I don't think I could physically stab myself. 
like grab the knife and plunge it. The way that she presses it against herself and then runs at the wall was very, very clever, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. it's not cool. I wouldn't advise it. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you were to do it, it's a very good if way. If you to get bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as the You Run podcast, I'm suggesting you don't stab yourself in the shoulder. Um, go, 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 go for the leg instead. Yeah, but if you are going to do it, watch Screen 4, because this is a perfect how-to. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> um, so the police arrive, uh, they clean up the mess, and they, they take everyone to the hospital. Um, so at this point, we think that Jill has killed Sydney, because uh, Sydney was slumped on the floor. When Jill does her final collapse... She collapses and she positions herself exactly how Sydney is. She wants to be the new Sydney. Um, so they go to the hospital um, uh, and you get Jill talking with Dewey. Uh, Jill says that maybe her and Gail can write a book together because they've got the same injuries um, and expresses she's really sad that she'll never be able to write a, a book with Sydney. Dewey's as thick as shit um, and doesn't twig what she's done, but she, he, he reveals, actually, no, Sydney might be alive. And she's like, oh, and Jill's like, anyway, I'm going to go see Gail. <laughs> um, and Jill straight away goes, shit, and jumps out of her bed and heads off to, to Sydney's room to, to go and finish off Sydney. Um, we now cut to Dewey talking to Gail um, and Dewey's going, oh, it'd be really nice. You could write a book together. You've got the same injuries. And Gail, who's not thick as shit, went, he says it. how does she know we have the same injuries? And after a good five second pause all of a sudden Dewey goes oh yeah and he's then a terrible <laughs> terrible police officer by the way it's the worst. <laughs> yeah he's if anyone ever murders me god forbid do not have Dewey investigate because they are getting away <laughs> scot-free I mean I love him his character is wildly entertaining but man that guy is very bad at his job uh, horrifically bad at his job uh, but yeah. they then you then get Gail and you get Dewey now rushing to Sydney's room when we get there so Jill is there now she's fighting with Sydney uh, she's got Sydney down on the floor um, she hears Dewey coming uh, Dewey comes round the corner and she takes Dewey out with a bedpan to the face all that he deserves <laughs> um, we get um, Gail straight behind um, and she's followed quickly by Judy um, Officer Judy's there as well um, they go and hide behind the bed um, the other side of the room uh, and Jill basically gets Judy to throw over her gun uh, when she does that she shoots Judy straight away I was like yeah. wow that, and that doesn't happen a lot in horror movies you'll get throw me the gun and they'll throw the gun and then they don't do anything mm -hmm. but in this she threw the gun and she picked it up and shot her straight away Gail kind of does this weird negotiating with Jill where she's trying to delay her uh, and she's trying to delay her to give Sydney time to get to the defibrillator basically she goes can I have some last words and she goes well yeah you can yeah what would your last words want to be she's like clear she's like what the fuck do you mean clear <laughs> uh, and, and with that you get Sydney just wax her with the um the shock pads the um uh, defibrillator pads mm -hmm. brilliant absolutely brilliant uh, and Sydney follows that with you forgot the first rule of remakes. Don't fuck with the fuck original. Fuck with the original. That's yeah. right, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah. This, again, like uh, I said in Screen 5, there was a couple of lines that she insisted on having in the movie. In Screen 4, this was one that she insisted. 
this had to be in it. This was her line again. So I, I think just let her write her own lines. Seriously, let her write yeah. the script. She's yeah. good at it. Yeah, she, mm-hmm. she definitely is. Um, we get the one last scare from, from Jill as she pops up. Um, <laughs> and Sydney does this kind of like almost a, oh, and turns around and shoots her because Sydney knows it's coming. She's so over it. <laughs> yeah, she, it's very much like, oh, for fuck's sake, again. Uh, and she shoots her. <laughs> we get one final scene where you get all the reporters outside and they're telling this story of how brave Jill was to stop the, the killers and blah, 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 blah. Um, and the final shot of the movie is seeing Jill's dead eyes. Now, I'm making, I'm emphasising the point, the final shot of Scream 4 is seeing Jill's dead eyes, because I saw yesterday that there is a rumour Jill will be returning for Scream 6. This brings me back to what I was going to say. Personally, for me, I didn't like any of these last 10 minutes in the hospital. Now, I want to run a theory by you and see what you think. The scene where Jill's beats herself up and then falls on the floor next to Sydney, that should have been credit roll for me. And then I would have liked to see in Scream 5 take a I know what you did last summer approach where Jill's is walking around gloating, being the hero and the victim and all the rest of it. And then she starts getting somebody coming for her, knowing what she's done. What do you guys think to that for a Scream 5 script? I like that a lot, actually. I, I didn't really like much of the hospital stuff either. It just felt like an extension of, like, we. I don't feel like we needed it. Like, you talked about cutting out some time from the beginning. I feel like that time could have been reserved and just focused on. I agree. I think that last part would have been perfect for, like, a that's the end of the movie. And definitely would have made for a much more creative Scream 5, I think, too. Yeah. Doing it that way instead of the other. Um, which I think actually could even play into what I think I don't know if you guys specifically talked about it. I never saw it talk about this, but the concept of there being like um, like a like a following of some kind. Like I feel like you could kind of incorporate some of those ideas together and it would have made for a much more creative story. Yeah, this yeah. is Scott's Hill is willing to die on, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to dive into that because I'm going to dive into some Scream 6 stuff a bit later on. But that scene at the end in the hospital, um, that scene did not exist in Kevin Williamson's script. It and shows. I'll be honest, it shows. So the guy who done the script writing for Scream 3 uh, was brought on at the end of this movie, uh, or I, I think it was like three quarters of the way through, he was brought on to finalise some parts of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an additional scene that he added, mm-hmm. which instantly shows sense. that he's shit and shouldn't touch screen. Leave it alone. Yeah. It feels very tacked on the way I, I, I just felt like it was almost like there was a conclusion, like an instant conclusion from the Sydney and Jill's laying there, whether the police show up and realise what's happening and, and they take Jill out or Sydney then wakes up from her injuries and tells the police what's happening and they take Jill out. This extended 15 minute scene that we get at the hospital, it just all felt very disconnected to everything else that had come before it, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's purely because it was a, a tagged on scene. Um, yeah, before we talk any more about Screen 4, because I know when we go into talking about Screen 5 and into what might happen in Screen 6, I know it might get a little bit heated. Let's find out what um, everyone else thought of this movie. We wanted them. You delivered them. It's this week's Pre-Run Reviews. From the listeners. Okay, so three word reviews this week. We've got Romeo Tutor, 
the weakest sequel. Uh, we've got I Blame the Movies, another great sequel. Uh, we've got Dead in Hollywood, Homicidal Angry Teenagers, um, JJWX24, clear, clear, clear. Uh, we've got The Midnight Mortary, uh, fan fiction quality. Um, a little bit about the three word reviewers this week. So you've got Romeo Tudor is a movie podcaster. Uh, I Blame the Movies is a content, content creator with a movie and mask obsession. Uh, Dead in Hollywood is a mixed fandom horror account. Uh, JJWX24, I have no idea because their account is private and they, they didn't accept my follow request. So hey ho. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, The Midnight Mortuary uh, is an independent horror clothing brand. Um, so memes to make you mad. Now it's time to see how pissed off you all got in okay this is the first ever full-on almost full-on backfire we've had in memes to make you mad so memes to make you mad and the idea is i create a meme and it, it makes you mad um so this week i put up a, a picture of sam carpenter uh, from screen five and below her kirby from screen four uh, and the meme said at the top screen five is incredible and then below her it, on the picture of Kirby, it said, honey, I done it first and I done it better. I was literally expecting to be torn limb from limb on social media for this. I really wasn't as hate for Scream 5 poured in and love and appreciation for Scream 4 poured in. I was really <laughs> taken back. Um, so we have uh, Living Dead Designs. Scream 5 felt the least like an actual Scream movie. Screen four is great. Damon's movie night, Chamber of Terrors, The Horror Fiend 96, and Here for the Booze all said agreed in block capitals with exclamation marks. Uh, we've got Ben Oakman, uh, not even an opinion, straight fact, real Wes Craven, <laughs> tops imitation Wes Craven every single day. Ooh, that's uh, a bit of a blow, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, it, it's facts, though. Uh, we, we've got uh, we we love horror podcast. Agreed, although Screen Five is great in its own own right. Um, I also got fifty or so comments that were on this kind of wavelength. Um, I got two people that I made mad. Uh, one of which was Mistress X Voorhees X. Uh, unpopular opinion. Screen Four sucks. I said what I said. So that that was Mistress. Voorhees. Uh, then we've got Slasher Queens. Uh, this is not their first appearance on Memes to Make You Mad. Um, <laughs> uh, they made two comments. Uh, the first one is, Kirby is legit the worst written characters in the franchise and is overrated as hell. Uh, then followed that with their next comment. Also, 10 years later is not off the back of your takes are giant bullshit. <laughs> I am assuming that Slasher Queens does not listen to the show because we've had what, what did this she is say? what our fourth, fifth week she has started means to make you mad. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, and, and the last one was like your horror takes are absolute joke. Your whole account's a joke, but she still follows and still comments. So hey hey, um, but I guess she doesn't listen to the show, and I'm not going to tell her. I tag her every week in you. You were a victim of memes to make you mad, and she shares it. See, I follow her, and she has recently just shifted her account to a full soul dedicated Emma Roberts fan account. Oh, okay. Um, 
So I'm surprised she hasn't had more to say about this than, than what she has, actually. Okay, well... Assuming we'll, it is a her, that is. We'll, we'll see what happens moving forward, but this honestly is slowly becoming that... It's becoming her section. I, I may even rename it, like, Slasher Queens is Mad. <laughs> or, or, or something like that. Um, but I'm saying that they don't listen. If you do listen, um, please call in. Please call into the show and, and share your rage. Um, you run podcast.com. Uh, hit the bit where it says record us a voicemail. Record me a voicemail. Um, or alternatively, the new way of getting in touch with the show by calling. Go to Instagram. Go to where you send someone a message. Uh, there's a record voice message button there. Record me a voice message in there and I can make you appear on the show that way as well. Into this week's facts. It's time to find out what you know about this movie and what we know. It's facts. This is the last film directed by Wes Craven uh, before he sadly passed away in 2015. Um, that's really sad. I, I I often think of the great things Wes Craven would have done had he not passed away. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I I feel very sheltered at this point by this conversation because I'm familiar with Wes Craven's work through Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream, and that is literally all I have touched of his body of work. And I know he's done some incredible things within the genre, but I'm yet to witness anything past the two main franchises that he's, that he's committed yeah. himself to. Yeah, I mean, he he reinvented horror numerous times and spun horror as an entire genre completely on its head and made everyone rethink horror movies. And I, I often wonder, had he not passed away, would he have done that again? Would we all of a sudden be... Because he's not, he's not like a director who sticks with the same thing. He's not afraid to go, well, I'm done with that now and move on to something else, which is why I, I think he's such a great director. He, he has an idea, like, for example, he'd done... A Nightmare on Elm Street, he reached a point with that where he went, ah, this has kind of run its course now. And Scream was born. And before that, it was The Hills Have Eyes. And he went from that and then created A Nightmare on Elm Street. So, yeah, what he could have done quite often makes me sad. Um, but anyway, let's not, let's not dwell on the sadness. In the scene where... Um, Jenny uh, explains to Marnie at the beginning uh, about the stab, stab movie. She said that Scream, uh, Stab 5 had time travel and it was by far the worst in that opening very meta scene. She said, well, Stab Five's the worst. It, it's got time travel. Um, this was a callback to something that Wes Craven wanted to do for A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. So he had an idea of having time travel within the dream and that's how they brought Freddy back. So there was time traveling in the dream that brought Freddie back from the past to the future. Um, very complicated and they didn't do it. So in, in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, they went with a, a fire pissing dog to resurrect Freddie instead. <laughs> Dewey's limp um, that's prominent throughout two and three from his stab wounds uh, is not, he doesn't limp in this at all. Um, they never explain it on screen, um, but in the script, it was explained. Uh, his limp is now nearly non-existent after years of physical therapy. Put that in the movie so we all understand and we don't know really? why is he not limping. 
Yeah, they literally take 10 seconds off the 15-minute bullshit you give us at the start just to have a 10-second throwaway comment would be more than suffice. <laughs> um, there is a bust of Henry Winkler, uh, the former principal from Screen One, uh, can be seen in the hallway uh, of, the, of the school uh, for a couple of scenes, actually. Um, just like in Scream 1996, uh, there's a copy of the VHS Clarks in the original, um, there's a copy of Clark's 2 in Kirby Reed's collection on her shelf. Um, so they kept Clark's 1 and Clark's 2. Uh, during Cinema Club, uh, where we get Sydney and, and Gail, um, there are over the shoulder of the guy, there is a poster of Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs. Um, that is actually Wes Craven's poster. It's not a prop. It's actually Wes Craven's poster of that movie, which fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there was an ongoing prank on set. So behind the scenes when they were filming this, you could find these gag reels online as well. Um, all of the cast would take turns at putting on the ghost face mask and hiding in cupboards and jumping out and making people freak out. Um, there's a really, really good one where Sydney is running. So in the scene where she runs from Ghostface the first time, um, she runs round a corner and someone in a ghost face mask opens the doors of a closet and jumps out and she falls ass over tip and is like screaming on the floor. It's <laughs> that's go and find them. They are so good. So, so, so worth a watch. Um, and all of that was Wes Craven's idea. Uh, and it was purely to, to lift spirits on the set and stop them being broken. I told you, I want to play a game. They will say, that I have shed innocent blood. The power of Christ compelled you! What have you done to its eyes? Well, it's elevated horror. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. You're going to like it. I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. I was at the slaughterhouse. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh, I know this money, fuck. Okay, so broken spirit. Uh, the rules are simple. There's 15 questions. There's no assistance. Uh, there's 10 points per question. Uh, you can walk away at any time and stop the game. Uh, and You leave with the points you've got. Um, if you get a question wrong, you lose all your points and you finish on zero, like Mark did. Twice now. Yeah, on twice. Purpose. Twice on you've got You got through some questions before you got to zero. I'm more worried that I'm not going to get any questions. The thing I is, both times I was getting quite far and I thought, oh, God, this is going to get embarrassing for everyone else now if I carry on. So I had to sort of. Oh, it's, what a martyr. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got you to do what you got to do, aren't you? Well, Way to look out for the people. <laughs> <laughs> um, top of the leaderboard is Robbie Horror uh, with a score of 20 points. Um, now, normally, I put the quiz together with Mark and we work on it together and uh, then we we quiz you. Um, I've actually had a special contributor to this week's quiz. Um, so there, there's an account called um, Tasha Scribbles 87. I'm sure you know no. very, very well. Um, and, and she's entered the quizzing game uh, this week and has helped me put together Broken Spirit, especially for you, Angel. I was just talking to her earlier. She has the best poker face. She lied her ass off. She was like, you're going to, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Like she's trying to like, so I was like, I'm going to look like such an idiot. I'm not going to get any questions. Right. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, so that, if you don't get any right, you know who to blame now. I do. I'm going to need a new co-host for Horror Bestie Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> um, new so Horror Bestie. Before we start, do you want just me to quiz you? Just Mark to quiz you? Or do you want us to take turns? I think I'll keep the pattern. You guys can take turns. Yeah? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to start it off with question number one. In the movie Rotten Tail, what was Peter Rottentail's nickname for his crush from high school? Oh my God, Anna Banana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and in case the listeners can't guess, I wonder who provided that question to the show. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so that, that that's correct. That's, uh, that's 10 points. Over to you, Mark. <laughs> question number two. Which found footage movie centers around the character Kirk Kingle? Kirk Kundle? Kirk Kundle. Hold Kurt, Kurt Kunkel. Kurt Kunkel. Is that how you yeah. say that? Name? Kurt Kunkel. <laughs> Kurt Kunkel. <sighs> Which found footage movie centers around the character Kirk Kundle? Kurt Kunkel. Why am I struggling with that man? I don't know. <laughs> you, you keep calling him Kirk. Oh my god. I'm gonna be so mad if I can't get through two. Kurt. You have like oh five god. variations of name. We can we can go which way feels most comfortable. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know it, you can always walk away with your your ten points and be second on the leaderboard. Second place isn't a bad shot. Oh, come mm. join the club down at the bottom. There's plenty of us. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I know that one. The name isn't ringing like any bells. You, you will kick yourself when if you guess and you get it wrong, or you don't guess and you walk away. You'll you'll kick yourself. It's found footage. This is as I deep know. in your as deep in your wheelhouse as we can go. Oh, okay. Can I give her the Go year? Yeah, you, you can give you can give her you can give her the effect you can give her the year and you can give her the job that he done. Right, okay. The year is twenty twenty, the year of release. Found footage twenty twenty. Okay. He is an Uber driver. And that is as much information as I'm going to give you on question two. Are we sure I've seen this one? <laughs> an Uber driver? Found footage twenty twenty, Uber driver. I don't. I don't think I know this one. I. Mm... Chris Kringle. <laughs> Stop, Chris Kringle. Did we not say Chris Kringle? <laughs> oh God. Kurt Kunkel. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. And he's an Uber driver and a found footage movie in twenty twenty. Yes. I just did so many found footage movies. You don't have to take the answer. You could just walk away. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to because I don't want to lose the 10. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Are you going to tell me what it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Scott break it to you. Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, you walked away with your, your 10 points uh, from your yeah. Rotten Tail question, which I know that's a movie you absolutely adore, which is why you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the one you've seen, right? You've seen Rotten Tail? Yeah, yeah. You I voted? Yeah, the I rotten tail. I did, yeah. <laughs> um, the movie that centers around a character called Kurt Kunkel, not Chris Kringle, 
that was released in 2020, where he's an Uber driver, was Spree. Oh, I didn't. I haven't seen that one. Have you not? Damn, I haven't seen that one. No, it's probably like one of five that I haven't seen in the last like <laughs> couple of years. I'm like 2020, and I was thinking of like hosts, and I was like, "There's no Uber driver in that one." I was like trying to think of all the ones I saw. I'll be honest. I genuinely thought you were going to get that. The fact that you've done 30 days of I was know, it 30 or I 31 did, days of found footage? It was 31, just, but I did older ones. I did ones that were like ones that I've never heard of before, or like people raved about but I'd never seen. I watched a lot of like early 2000 found footage. Okay, yeah. I don't worry. Don't be too disheartened. I would take <laughs> take comfort in the fact that you're probably going to be in second place throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, you you definitely will be. Angel, voices from the mausoleum, ten points, second place. Um, before we get into our scores, um, for this movie and the listeners' scores as well, um, we've had a couple of calls into the show. The H four, the H four train has now begun, uh, and we've got yes. people, people calling the show and, and making comments and. Yeah, the, the, there's some pressure now to to get get this potentially on the show mark. So yes, um, we have a movement in place. A movement. <laughs> we, we do. That's what I'm. That's what I'm categorising it as. This is a movement. <laughs> Would you like to listen to the first message? Of course. Bring on the fans. Hey guys, it's Heather. Um, obviously, I think you know my voice by now. And who else? Who else fucking calls in, right? That sounds like this. Look, I'm going to need you, Scott. This is for Scott, not for Mark so much right now. I'm going to need you to get your shit together. I'm going to need you to do H4. Um, <laughs> you got to do it. You have to. Do right. Like, do you want to go to fucking hell for not doing it? You might. I don't know. <laughs> I might go to jail. I don't know. But you need to do it. Okay? Love you guys. You know, you might actually go to jail for this. Well, yeah, maybe it is, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Um, but we, we, we've had another message um, from someone who's a little bit more irate than, than Heather. So, um, so yeah, um, here we go. This is the second part of the message, and this is a PSA. Mark, I am on your side. H4 will be done on the You Run podcast. If not... It might have to be done somewhere else, but we need it done on You Run Podcast. Okay? Y'all ain't, ain't playing with y'all. Like, Scott, I swear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come get you. It's not going to be good. Let's just do it, okay? Thank you. See, you know how crazy Heather is as well, and she will get on a plane and fuck you right up, mate. Yeah, I, I know. And what I said was, and I, I said this, and I, I stick to to what I say on this show. I said, if we get a call for H4, I will do H4 on the show. Yeah, uh, so you've done uh, two now. Yeah. Uh, well, we're counting it as one. It, 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 was, it was Heather. It was only one call. Let's, let's not get carried away. Um, but we have had another call who is not necessarily on your side. So um, here we go. Hi guys, it's Elise here, Horror Review Girl. Um, I just had to say, after the last episode and all this chat on Halloween 4, like, I have something to say and I just need to get it out, okay? Please, do not do Halloween 4 on the Horror Review podcast. I just, I can't see you guys implode, okay? It would be like 
my parents divorcing and I would have to pick between my dads. And okay, that sounded really fucking weird. Maybe just ignore that analogy, but seriously, please do not do Halloween for like, I just can't take it. I just can't take it, please. Okay. Oh, there was a rage building up inside of me and then she compared us as her dad and I was like, yeah, I'm going to let this okay. one slide. Yeah, you, you, you were obviously giving off daddy vibes and not, not, not in that way. I promise, Elise, I promise no matter what happens, we will not get a divorce. I, I don't know, we might. Yeah, we might actually, we might actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as it currently stands, uh, H4 was requested and then someone requested we don't do it. So... To, to keep it fair, unless we get a call from someone else to level the play or to put the playing field in Mark's favour, H4 will not appear on the You Run podcast this season. They were not the rules. You said if somebody calls in and requests it, then we will do it. But I need to balance it out. So one person's requested it. One person said no. I can't, I, I, the only way to settle mm-hmm. that is to not please either of them and until someone else tips the balance. Angel, how much is it going to cost for me to get his call in? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not just saying this because I'm here now. I've actually already contemplated doing it just because I kind of want to hear the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. There we go. I thought about it. doing it anyway just because I think it would be hysterical. <laughs> so we'll get Angel's call next week and then we'll see. Hopefully, she's the only one who calls in. Yeah, well, let, let, let's see what happens. But yeah, if you want to see H4 on the show, it's really easy. Call into the show. You could use the voicemail, the voice section on instagram dms and i can take the audio from there so however you want to do it if you want h4 call in if you don't want hate for call in and this could go on forever it's, it's great fun um, am i still any- not allowed to call in no you still can't call in um, <laughs> anyway into listener score so the listeners scored this a seven out of ten um which i think is is a pretty good score for this um yeah. now I said at the beginning of this episode that I wanted to prove this was the best since the original. Um, so this is my this is my pitch. This is my sell. The new cast in this are strong. They have key scenes and they appear in the movie more than the original cast. This movie doesn't lean on the original cast purely to carry it. Um, the motive is good. The killers were relatively unpredictable. Um, all the kills were good. And finally, my final thing that makes this better than the original, or not better than the original, better than everything else but the original, is according to Wes Craven, this is the strongest in the franchise next to the original, and he wouldn't return for a script that wasn't as good as the original. Now, is anyone actually going to argue the toss with Wes Craven? No. <laughs> uh, now I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't. I didn't like this the first time I watched it. So when I watched this, I can't, when did it come out? Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, whenever it came out. When I watched this, I was not a fan. And it's only on this rewatch that I found a new appreciation for it. That I, I came out of it going, "This is brilliant." And I think that's because I watched it on the back of Screen Five, and this done everything I wanted Screen Five to do that Screen Five didn't. Um, for me, this is a solid nine out of ten. I have to take on board what you said. I think you do a very good point of selling that this is better than Scream 5. And I've only seen Scream 5 once, and I really, really enjoyed my experience with it. But I do have to say that this is quite easily the best since the original. Um, <clears throat> Scream 2 dips massively in quality in comparison to the first, and Scream 3 is just 
an abomination. So we're not even going to talk about Scream 3. But Scream 4 is fantastic. And I would quite happily take Scream 1 and Scream 4 as Scream 2. And that would be a perfect sequel to, to the story. I think I could quite happily ch- shave off 10 minutes off the, the beginning and probably 10 minutes off the end and make this a much tighter film. But everything in between those last first, the first and last ten minutes is is perfect for me. I think it's a really solid story, and very brutal kills, great ghost face. I like the reveals. Granted, it's not as plausible as I would have liked it to be, but I do like the idea behind it. It's not a nine out of ten by any stretch. I would probably go for me three point five, maybe even a four out of five. So this is, yeah, this is my second favorite in the franchise as well. And I actually feel the same way. I I think the first time I watched it, I thought it was fine. It was entertaining. I like some of the uses of the technology and the kind of like moving forward with the new teens and stuff. But I think this this newer watch that I did before I went and saw Scream 5, I think was when it kind of like cemented its place and what, you know, is like my final Scream like ranking and it's it's number two for me so um and I think like I'm not gonna go on this route screen five is probably is just so it's mine would be like one four two five three that would be like my order um but I I think yeah I think it one of the things that I really like about it that I think for me specifically makes me push it above two is it did some of the similar scenes from two but I think it did them better so when we have like the in screen two we have you know the kids are the teenagers talking about like film and sequels and all these things. And yeah, we get this great piece with like, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller and, you know, Casey from Dawson's Creek and Brandy. But I think that I liked the horror movie club better as that part of the movie. So it just kind of like bumped it up for me. Um, and also Charlie and Robbie minus the murdering, totally me in high school. Like 100% <laughs> I can relate to those, those characters. Um, yeah. So it, it's actually a nine out of 10 for me as well. Yeah, I like that one. I like this one a lot. Okay, so that's um, that's yeah, great scores for for Screen Four. So everyone's hating on it. You need to go rewatch it. Just out of curiosity, before I move on, Scott, uh, Angels give her ranking. Where would what's your timeline? How do you put them? One, four, two, three, five. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I think yeah. Screen Screen Five is the worst Screen movie by a country mile. Right. Um, so, so mine is one, four, five, two, three. So we're all entirely different, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is one of those franchises that you, you can do that with, and everyone can have different opinions. And you can do that mm-hmm. with A Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas yeah. if you look at something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or you look at something like Friday the 13th, you tend to find people's ranking of those movies is almost identical because they are so wildly different in tone whereas yeah everything Wes Craven touches it's very hard to to pull them apart it's they're all very similar but different enough that they get different rankings and I think with A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream you'll always get people who will love movies in a different order I think Um, they all like sort of have such a varied appeal towards a general and not general sort of like a, a depending on what sort of flavor of horror you like you can tell you can tell what kind of person you are depending on how you rank your screen films is what i'm going to say yeah like you can you like you can pick out what you're into in your horror films because because each screen film has such a sort of variation to them you've either got your serious first ish you've got your darker four you've got your very comedic third 
you can sort of pick which wheelhouse you're in depending on which screen films you like. And I think that's something that you can't do with a lot of franchises. No. That's a good point. Yeah. No, you can't. And then let's let's touch on the um the, the thing we probably shouldn't touch on. Uh Scream Six uh coming March next year. Uh, just so everyone knows, we'll feature on this show without a shadow of a doubt, uh probably within a couple of days of, of it being released. Um so Scream Six, um it's no secret that I want Stu Marker, I want Matthew Lillard to return. That, that I don't think that I don't think anyone is surprised by me saying that. There's two reasons I want him back. One, because it'll be fucking incredible. Um, <laughs> and two, because I really don't want to roll in mousetraps. Um, I also want him to kill Sydney or Gail or both in the opening sequence of that movie. And I want Kirby to replace. Sydney as the final girl. I also want multiple Ghostface. I want Ghostface to be incredibly brutal. And I want them to make a decent effort of hiding the killers. Because in Screen 5, in the first moment I saw Amber, I went, she's the killer. Number one. <laughs> yeah, li- literally, the, I saw her yeah. for about eight seconds. <laughs> That's her. Um, and I, I just want them to do, I just want them to work harder. Um, I want them to really grasp what Wes Craven had. And I don't think Screen 5 done that for me. I think I, <laughs> I don't think I have as strong thoughts on what I want to happen in 6. I'd love to see Stu come back. I think that would be fun. Um, I think what I know I don't want to happen, if this counts, is I, I don't want, I don't want there to be this like um, serial killer daughter takeover of the story. Like I don't want I don't want there to be a focus on like this new, you know, um, I'm totally blanking on her name. Tara's the sister. What's the older yeah. one's name? Uh, Sam. Sam. Okay. Yeah. I almost said Sam and I thought it was wrong. I don't want Sam to come back and be this like crazy psychopath, like killer. Like I don't, I don't want that to happen. And I've seen like people posting on Twitter and stuff after five, you know, was out and people had started to watch it, that that was something they really wanted. That'd be so cool. And like, I don't agree with that. I think that would suck. Um, that was probably like one of my least favorite things about five actually. Um, but I'd love to see Stu come back. I like the theory of the third, of there being an additional killer and it either being him or someone else. Um, other than that, I haven't really thought past, I actually would be okay losing. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about losing Sydney, but I'd be okay losing Gail. I would be upset, but in a good way. Like I would be proud that they like were like made this decision and like if they took her out, I'd be fine with that. But that's probably as far as I thought, thought as far as like, six goes yeah i mean they they killed dewey and killing dewey over over gail was almost sacrilege i I sat in the cinema Mm. went no no i was Um, pretty upset yeah yeah i i wasn't impressed um mark your your desires for scream six well it's not until this conversation now that i've realized that dewey's not going to be back for scream six i'm slightly gutted all of a sudden yeah no he's he... did, you for, did you forget I, I, I say he's not i didn't but... forget i just forgot it was going to bear their own passes <laughs> i mean it's been confirmed and it's already clear that courtney cox has signed on to come back for this um yeah for me i think the best theory i've heard so far is probably your scott with the cult aspect and Stu coming back whether I think that's going to come to fruition or not is a different story entirely, but that is probably one of the most enjoyable takes I've heard so far. Personally, 
I'm already done with the Sam storyline. I'm quite happy for her not to return. She didn't bring much to me in Screen 5, and I really didn't care much for her or her sister. The only really enjoyable characters I found in that film were Randy's niece and nephew. I would like to see them take center stage for Screen 6. Would I like to see the OG characters grow out pretty early? Probably. Um, purely based on the fact that in Scream 5 they felt very backseated until necessary um, it didn't feel like they were relevant in the story apart from fan service and bringing them in for the closing act if that's the case and that's what they're going to do again I, I wouldn't like to see a repeat we've seen this done five times now and it feels like every story is taking the same sort of approach two killers same story done and done again so I, I'd like to see it going in a completely different take um, bring back the Randy characters kill off the OG characters in the opening credits and let's just do something different yeah yeah let, let's have let's have eight ghost face or nine yeah let's have a cult of ghost face let's just yeah. do something just do something different I feel like running the risk of becoming very tired it was nice to have screen five pay homage to all the rest that's come before it but now it needs to be creative which yeah. is what the Scream franchise is known for. I mean, p- picture this for an opening scene. You get Sydney is attacked by Ghostface in her home. She runs to the next door to get into another room and opens it, and there's another Ghostface. She spins around in her corridor, opens another door, and there's Ghostface. She runs down the stairs, opens the front door, and there's another Ghostface, and they all swamp her. Opening credits, Scream 6, boom, yeah. done. That's it. Kill her off. Scream 6, let's do a new story with, like, a cult of ghost that's perfect yeah, yeah I, i'm fully on board with that and yeah look, look, let's hope let's i hope. don't think we're going to get it at all no no I, I think we're going to get jill jill and sam as the killers which will depress me a lot um anyway what's not going to depress me a lot is next week so next week um there's no guest next week uh, it's just me and mark um which is fine because we are looking at arguably the best vampire movie in all of existence, uh, as me and Mark, much to Mark's disgust, take on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. How have we just had a conversation about not being depressed and then talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the same sentence? Uh, Don't give away your thoughts too much, but um, yeah, Mark (laughs) Mark hated this movie with a a vengeance. Uh, And it was, uh, yeah, it's it's a very... Uh, confrontational episode I think is the best way to to describe it Angel thank you so much for for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me this is fun before you go let everyone know where they can find you because obviously we know but not everyone else does um everywhere (laughs) um Um, I'm on everything. My handles are slightly different, but I'm on Facebook, Voices FTM. I'm on Instagram, Voices for the Mausoleum. Um, my Twitter is um, from Mausoleum. Um, and oh. on all of those, you can find like the link to my website, which is just VoicesFTM.com. Um, I'm on TikTok, unfortunately. I don't do very much, but I'm there. Uh, it's also just Voices. I think that one's from, yeah, I think that was just Voices FTM as well. A YouTube show, you've got a podcast, you've got content that comes out of every social media channel that I genuinely think that you are a cult of Ghostface, but you're a cult of voices that that do this because <laughs> one person is not is not capable of tweeting, doing Instagram, doing TikTok, 
doing a podcast, doing a YouTube channel and doing it all simultaneously. Because I have seen you post on uh, Twitter. I've responded to a, a tweet you've done. And literally, I'm getting a notification like a second later from Instagram <laughs> that you've done something there. So I, I genuinely believe that there is more than one of you running your accounts. Yeah, well, if you can believe this, I'm in the process of moving. But after this, I actually have like a written out plan on how to amp up content, if you can even imagine that. No, no, I can't. But <laughs> if you can, smoke coming out of my ears. Yeah, if you could send that over to me and I will take like a fraction of that and increase mine, that would be amazing. <laughs> Um, seriously, go and follow Angel. Go and follow Voices because their content is is amazing. Um, I, I've been on her show. Uh, I've done influential horror movies. The, the, the guests she has, are, uh, the guests you have are amazing. Some of your guests, it's like, wow, they're, they're really, really, they're awesome. really, really good. Uh, and go and listen to the Rotten Tail episode. I'm going to check I've never out, so said the word I have never said the word dick in a podcast episode as much as I said it in that episode. Yeah. Uh, so bad. Uh, so bad. A, a thank you to um to Tasha uh for My providing God. providing the rotten tail question. Uh it's a shame because there were other questions in there that I I wanted you to get to. Um <laughs> found footage movie i'm disappointed I, 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 i'm shocked you didn't know the found footage one i'm not i'm not gonna lie i say like, well because well, I, I wrote that one i was like a oh, found footage question yeah that's fine she should get she'll get two <laughs> and i picked the the one found the footage one. <laughs> um but thank you again for for coming on um it's, it's a pleasure having you on every single time thank you everyone for listening um i've already told you to go and subscribe to everything so you don't forget the dates and to review us and i'm not going to tell you to do that again um tell a friend tell someone about the you run podcast um let them come and listen they might hate it but hey I don't, they might not they might love it they might become a regular caller they might call in and say i don't want h4 which will make me really happy they might call in and say they love h4 and it's the greatest movie ever made and that's just, more likely that is yeah. definitely more likely yeah and i just won't play that message anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you all next week for buffy the vampire slayer you want to die tonight Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the You Run Podcast. Don't forget, to get involved in the show, all you need to do is head to our website, yourunpodcast.com. This is not our show. This is your show.